Final hour of the Friday edition of Halford & Bruff here on Sportsnet 650. The official automotive sponsor of Halford & Bruff is the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. This hour of the show brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit campbell-pound.com today. And we are going to be joined very shortly uh, by the Moj, BC Lions play-by-play voice. And in fact, we have him on the line right now. Moj is a presentation of the Clayton Public House talking about the game tonight between BC and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in Saskatchewan. Moj, thanks as always for doing this. How are you? No worries, fellas. Doing well. So back to first of uh, back-to-back games. Of course, they'll be here back at BC Place next week to face off with the Riders coming off that really big, impressive comeback win on the road in Calgary. What stands out to you most about this matchup, uh, again, the first of two with Saskatchewan? Well, I think you're going to have a Riders team that's fired up. I mean, they lost at home to the Lions a couple of weeks ago, and you know now they have this rematch, and they're going to be bolstered by the addition of a couple of defensive linemen, three defensive linemen. Actually, Pete Robertson returns to the lineup. Um, he was leading the CFL in sacks when he was injured about a month ago. He's still leading the CFL in sacks a month later. He comes back to the lineup. They also get um, Garrett Marino, the Ogi Oglethorpe of the CFL, and A.C. <laughs> Leonard returns on the defensive line. So um, I think that's something to watch for as this defense gets bolstered by the addition of those three players. Do you think Marino's going to do something dumb tonight? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, there's so many eyeballs on him right now. I think if he does anything dumb again, he's basically going to get – he'll be out of the league. I mean, he'll get cut by Saskatchewan. I'm surprised Saskatchewan didn't cut him after what he did before, but, you know, I guess they want to give him a second chance. But if he screws up this time, I don't think anybody in the league will give him a chance. So he's not playing for just a spot. I mean, if he does something stupid, I think he's out of football. Hey, Moj, how fun was it to call that game against the Stamps? Oh, wow. I mean, it was it was amazing because, you know, there's so many ups and downs in that game. And, you know, I kind of had a feeling that the Lions could pull it out, but when they gave up the touchdown on the kickoff return, and, you know, the score got back up to nine with whatever it was, six minutes left, 558, whatever the number was. I just thought to myself, how do they rebound from this? Yet they found a way, and this team's just amazing in terms of its resiliency, and it starts with the quarterback. It's funny, because of the quarterback and also their receiving core and the return of Brian Burnham, I, I didn't give up on that game. I was like, they they still got a chance. And when they had when they were pinned deep, I think they were at their five-yard line, and they had to drive to get the field goal late. I was I would have bet that they were going to do it as opposed to them being in in a really tough situation. I, I guess that's what a what a quarterback and a, and a, such a solid receiving core does to a fan's confidence. Yeah, and you know what? I agree with you. When they got pinned, I thought the same thing. They're going to find a way to get in a field goal range. Had they had to score a touchdown there, it might have been a little different. But I'm thinking to myself, all they need is to get in a field goal range, and I know that offense can produce. And it was funny because we were talking to Sean White at the facility this week, the Lions kicker, and we were talking about the comeback uh, in Calgary and the touchdown by Peyton Logan on that kick return. And, you know, Sean was like, uh, you know, he, he thought that might have been the ball game. And he said he looked over to Suk Chung, the offensive guard, and Suk said, ah, five minutes. He goes, got plenty of time. And Whitey was like, yeah, we do have plenty of time. You know, this is – that's just the belief this team has right now. It wasn't as efficient as his performance against Edmonton the previous week where he just absolutely carved up that defense. But for Nathan Rourke to you know show the composure early in the game, recovering from mistakes, and then late in the game leading that the, the ultimate game-winning drive, 
Is that his most impressive performance to date in the CFL for you, Moj? Well, I mean, 286 yards passing in the fourth quarter. I mean, it, it was ridiculous. I mean, in the fourth quarter, it was just he was just picking apart at will. And, and you make a great point. The thing is with Nathan Ork, he does make mistakes. We've seen that. I mean, in Ottawa, they were down double digits. Uh, they were down double digits against Saskatchewan. They were down double digits against Calgary. But um, he doesn't get frazzled. And you think, you know, you, when you see young quarterbacks, second-year quarterbacks, when they make mistakes, all of a sudden now, you know, they might get gun-shy. They might get trigger-happy. but They might start, you know, just running the football at will. Um, but, no, he just sticks with what he knows, and what he knows is picking apart defenses. When you're traveling around the country and especially going to such a CFL hotbed as as Regina, um, how much are people talking about Nathan Rourke? How much are they coming up to you and asking you about him and, and about this BC Lions team? Well, let's put it to you this way. I'm doing two radio shows after this one. So <laughs> just like, right. you know, people want to know about Nathan Rourke and what's going on and just, you know, this Lions team and how exciting it is. So, yeah, I mean, this kid is just, he's an amazing young talent and people are talking about him. They're excited about him. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what the future holds with Nathan Rourke. But, you know, right now he's in BC and right now, the kid is lighting it up, and he's got people talking about the Lions and the CFL. Okay, what does this Lions team need to improve on in order to maintain this success? Special teams. Their special teams need to really, um, in in all facets, I'm not talking about the kicking and the punting. I'm talking more about the coverage game. As we saw in Calgary, they got burned for a touchdown. Um, the return game, and they've added, um, they took Shy Ross off the roster this week, so Someone to watch out for this week is Shane Wynn. He's a 29-year-old receiver kick returner out of Indiana who's had some cups of coffee in the National Football League. They're hoping he can give them a boost in the return game. And the other thing, too, guys, is just not only in terms of the returning and getting more yardage out of it, but what's killing them on specials as well is penalties. I mean, you know, you, all of a sudden you go from, say, having the football at your own 45 back down to your 15 or your 20. So yeah. they've really got to clean up their special teams game if they want to you know, take a serious run at a team like Winnipeg. What do you chalk that up to? Is that just willingness to tackle, or is that structure of the of especially on on the return game? Like, if if you were coaching, what what would you be looking at? Special teams. I mean, if if there's anything that's kind of really basic in the game of football, it's special teams. I mean, everything else you can kind of get exotic on, like you know, in terms of your offenses running motion, this that defenses coming up with exotic blitz. Special teams is just will and desire. It's just your will and desire to beat your guy one-on-one. And right now, the Lions got to find some guys who just want to win those one-on-one battles and get it done. I mean, special teams, is it's basically all about all about heart and wanting to get it done. And right now, this team's kind of got to go. They've got to up their game in special teams if they want to take a run at a great cup championship. Uh, in conversation with BC Lions play-by-play voice, the Moj here on Sportsnet 650. And, you know, look, obviously, for good reason, so much of the focus uh, with the Lions team has been on Nathan Rourke, but still, you know, they're 7-1, and one, and you don't get there with just a quarterback. I wanted to ask you about Rick Campbell, because, again, a 7-1 and one team, he's the head coach. I don't feel like we've heard a lot about Rick Campbell, though. What stood out to you uh, in terms of the job he's done as head coach this year for the Leos? Well, I mean, a couple of things. Number one, um, practices. Practices are short, they're tight. Um, you know, a lot of tempo and, you know, anyone who's played hockey probably knows or other sports in terms of practices know what we're talking about. Those practices are are really quick. They do a lot of their teaching in the meetings and in the film sessions, 
But when they're on the field, it's just it's very quick, it's very fast paced, and they get a lot of work done in those situations. The other thing too that's interesting with the Lions, you know, a lot of times when you look at teams, particularly at the college level, and this has kind of shifted a little bit now more in the pros, is they don't run say a scout offense versus uh, the number one defense, or they don't run a scout defense against the number one offense. They just use their ones to go against each other in practice, and I think that bodes well because. You know, number one, you don't have the numbers that you would have at college or in the NFL to run right. those kind of teams. But the big thing is it's just iron sharpening iron, as they say, right? So they're, they're getting better. I mean, these DBs are getting better because they're going up against a great group of receivers. The receivers are getting better because they're going up against a great group of DBs. So that's something that sticks out. And I think the other thing, too, that sticks out is just how he tries to keep this team even keel all the way throughout the season. And even he admitted, that after that Winnipeg game, you know, prior to the Winnipeg game, there was too much focus on that game. He said, as a coaching staff, we had this whole, you know, battle of the undefeated thing theme kind of going into it. And he said that he's really got to, like, you know, try to keep it a little bit more even keel. He says each game is important, but you can't make it too important. And I think with that Winnipeg game, the lesson learned is that they kind of made it too important. And he kind of came up with, believe it or not, Rick Campbell does have a sense of humor. He said he used a line from Wedding Crashers in which he said, we can't be stage five clingers if we want to get the date. So that's the line that he used with the team when talking about just trying to stay even keel. Well, I think it's important because as much as excitement uh, as the as Nathan Rourke and the Lions have provided, they've won some close games. I mean, the most recent one in Calgary, they they had some a low scoring win over Hamilton. They they beat the Red Blacks by by a field goal. Like their record could be different if they didn't have a few bounces go their way. So you can't let them get too high, I suppose. Yeah, you can't because it, it, you're right. If the bounces go the other way, I mean. Instead of, you know, having one loss, maybe you have three or four. But uh, I think, you know, the thing that Rick is doing is he's just focused. He's trying to get this team to focus on each and every game, reset after a big one. You know, tonight's going to be a great test because last week was such an emotional victory against Calgary. Yeah, right? for sure. So now, like, you know, have you reset this week? Have you refocused? Are you ready to go and play at the same level that you did last week in Calgary tonight in Regina? Hey, Moj, you've been in this market for a long time and, and you've been following the Lions and you saw, you know, you've been watching them forever. Um, when do you think there's going to be this turn in the market or has it already happened where people get really interested in this Lions team and we start seeing uh, significantly increased attendance at BC Place? It's going to be interesting to see what next time around happens, like, you know, their next home game against Saskatchewan. Um, but I'll be honest. And I said this before, uh, you can't, you don't turn the Queen Mary on a dime. I mean, you just can't expect, you know, years of disengagement from fans. And then, you know, within a matter of eight weeks or 10 weeks to get everybody back on board again, it's, it's a process, but they just have to keep doing what they're doing. And that's play entertaining football and make the experience be at BC place a, a really good one. And eventually you will see fans return and, you know, eventually, hopefully you, you do get those good numbers again at the gate. But um, uh, like I said, I mean, all you have to do is look at the opening night they had against Edmonton with the concert and the crowd. And I yeah. mean, you couldn't have drawn it up any better. And like, you know, the next two games or, you know, it wasn't like they had 30,000 or 25,000 at those games. So uh, I think people are getting excited about it. I know a lot of people that I know, hey, I want to go check this work kit out. People are talking about going to games again. So mm -hmm. that's a positive sign, but it's going to take a while. I think the one thing that I really like Amar, about Amar Dolman is he's not 
he, he takes accountability and he just says, look, this is on us to fix it. And I think, you know, social media wise, the lions are, are, are doing a, a lot better job. And, and there was an article about them in the paper about how they're improving the, the way they, they, they interact on social media and how, how important that is. He doesn't, he's not one to blame. He's not one to blame fans for not wanting to go to the games, or he's not one to blame the media for, for not talking about a team that fans aren't interested in. He's like, this is our problem and we have to fix it. And he's doing a really good job of it so far. Yeah, I mean, the one thing about Amar, um, and, you know, all due respect to the late David Braley, but uh, Amar is more of a visionary, right? He, he has a vision of what he wants to get done. Um, he has ideas, and he's got the financial wherewithal to execute those ideas. And, you know, a good example is that Beatty Street block party, right? The, the fact that he's subsidizing a lot of that, yeah. I mean, the fact that he had to go to City Hall and get another license, trust me, from what I've been told, getting <laughs> those licenses aren't easy, right, to, to have that area shut down prior to a Lions game. So they've done that. And, you know, one of the coolest things that I saw this year or heard uh, was when we interviewed Amar at halftime one time, and he said, I want the fans to come out and just have a great time prior to the game, you know, experience a block party go out there, have a nice party, go to the game, watch a really entertaining brand of football, and go home really happy. He gets it. He gets the entire picture. It's just not about what's happening on the field. He understands that he has to make it an event for fans to want to come to. I mean, and just like to give you a little idea, we had the, uh, the mode shootout up in Kelowna uh, on July 18th and 19th, and I'm getting a text now from you know people in Kelowna saying, hey, we're coming down for the Lions game. Can you help us out with tickets? So, it, it, like I said, it, it's turning around and you're getting that buzz, but I think a lot of it has to do with what you said, and that's Amar Doman and his vision and what he's doing with this team to get fans excited. Yeah, we all had ideas about what the Lions needed to do. You know, they need to have a block party and they need to make an event, but it's one thing to say it. It's one thing, and it's it's quite another to actually do it, and it's encouraging that he's doing and I, and I think it really helps that he's local that he has some connections that he can he can um um you know use and but he also has the uh, like he has that energy about him and I yeah. imagine he's getting even more energized by just watching what's happening on the field I I do want to talk to you a bit about the Seahawks Moj uh I don't know if you had time to check out their preseason game yesterday um it was not an oil painting um, what are you watching for this season? Like what's, what's, it's probably not, can the Seahawks win the Super Bowl? So what would a successful season look like for Seattle? You know, I'm looking at it and people have talked to me about it. And I'm probably thinking in that 500 range, um, nine and nine, something like that. Uh, I mean, to me, they've kind of revamped their offensive line with a couple of picks there. We'll see how that transpires. Um, you know, the running game, the, I mean, that's what, Pete Carroll wants to do. He wants to run the football. So now you're looking at Drew Locke probably being a manager trying to play error-free football, and you're looking at your defense to step up and perhaps you know win you some games and also keep the score within reason because you cannot win with a running game. You can't with a you can't win with a run-first offense if your defense is giving up 35 points, 30 points, 28 points a game. Yeah. You just can't do it, right? So. Um, the big key is that they want to be successful this year is to play a solid defense and to get that running game going. And if they do that, and if Drew Locke can manage football games for him, because after watching a little bit of Geno Smith last night, he didn't look too impressive, did he? Um, Neither so, did the receivers yeah. that were dropping balls all over the place, though. Yeah, that's true as well. So 
you know, I just think, to me, it's all about their, their run game and establishing that at the same time being able to play good enough defense that, you know, they can stay committed to that run game during the course of a game. And saying all that, do you think it's most likely that they just probably won't be successful and they'll be looking at a quarterback in the NFL draft? Well, I think if you want to get to the next level, you're going to have to get another quarterback, right? I mean, do you see your team winning a Super Bowl with Geno Smith or Drew Locke? No. no. I mean, no. so the ultimate goal is to win a championship. So if that's the case, you know, you're going to have to go out there and find that quarterback. Moj, before we let you go, uh, we have an Ask Us Anything. It is, of course, Ask Us Anything Friday here on the show. We got one for you. What is your go-to meal when you're on the road in Regina? Mm, there really isn't a go-to meal in Regina. My friend Calgary, ordered this. Sh- Calgary, Calgary's Vintage Chop House, which is outstanding. Montreal, you got great restaurants. Yeah. Uh, we go to Toronto. It's always Mama Caravetta's. But here in Regina, man, there's not a really go-to meal. I've done an, uh, Can I ask you guys a question? Yeah, sure. How's Jamie doing? Like seriously, he's doing great. He's doing awesome. No, I'm not. I'm not asking you. I'm asking Jamie. I'm. You know what? I got because we talked about it last week, Moj. Right, yeah, and I all, heard the clip. Yeah, Ruff heard the clip about all of the advice, and you know, Balak and and Andy are telling me, you know, you got to be really careful and don't make eye contact. Bruff has been on his best behavior. I got to say, and I mean that. When okay. when I when I work with a professional, I am res- <laughs> I am respectful. If if you're prepared for the show and you bring something to the show, you will be respected. If not, there could be trouble. Uh, by the way, Moj, I had a buddy that ordered the shrimp scampi in Regina. It wasn't mm-hmm. great. So if you're there, do not order the shrimp scampi. That's the rule. As soon as you're inland, yes. you're <laughs> stick, stick to the turf, not the surf yeah, so much in, exactly. uh, in Regina. Thanks. All right, Moj. Thanks. See you soon. We'll talk ta- soon. We'll talk next week, Moj. Have a great weekend. See you, buddy. That is the BC Lions play-by-play voice, Moj. We had a texter that wanted that drop. Oh, you haven't heard that uh, song before? I have to do the tag here. Okay. And then we can get back to that. Right. Moj on Sportsnet 650 was brought to you by the Clayton Public House, your home of football. Every game day, catch all the action on 15 screens and two giant projectors. I had never heard that song before, no. But wow. But sounds catchy. So this is your first experience with Experience Regina. That is my first experience of Experience Regina. Regina. Does it make you want to go to Regina or what? Yeah, it uh, does. I've been to Regina. I went to a wedding in Moose Jaw once. I had a good time. It was fun. So you flew into Regina? No, I drove. You drove? Oh, yeah. yeah. Did another you build, long drive. Another long drive. Yes. Another long drive. That must have been a really good friend to drive to Saskatchewan my for their wedding. Oh, my okay. Cousin. So I went with family and stuff. Oh, it's family. Yeah, so, and I, right. I was in the wedding party, so What's I kind of had to go. Where is Moose Jaw? It's close to Regina. Okay. So my cousin, I don't know. What he's what he's doing now, but he lived in Moose Jaw, but he like drove. I to, bet he's in Potash. Drove to Regina for work. Right. You know what I mean? It was yeah. like a forty minute drive or something like that. So it's close by. Okay, I love going to Saskatchewan. It's it's honestly the friendliest province that I've been to outside of maybe Newfoundland. And it's great because um, if you have cruise control in your car, you finally get a chance to use it. Yeah. <laughs> you just kick back and, and and go point it point it straight, and there you go. Uh, a lot of people texting in about the Lions. Uh, here's another text. Would Amar work with bars near the stadium about setting up game day promos? I'm sure he would. Sure, yes. The, the, he's really, really impressed me. There are yep. some people in the CFL that have come through this league throughout the years that are um, full of it, is the nice way to put it. And they talk a big game, but they don't follow through on it. Amar Doman is a guy that... He doesn't even like talk a big game. He just says, Hey, we're going to have to put the work in. 
and they're putting the work in. And I think that's the most impressive thing, Mm -hmm. right? He said, we're going to put together a a really big first game. That's what he did. And he Mm -hmm. pulled it off. Um, he's also taking, I, I think in conversations that we've had with him, like a long approach, like I know as media, sometimes we can get short sighted, like, well, you know, if, if the lions don't have a good crowd for the riders game next week and they've got this Nathan, maybe it's never going to work. Maybe it's just never going to work. And we'll throw our hands up in the air because I don't know, we get a reaction or we're just short sighted individuals. I mean, we do work in media, which is kind of a short sighted decision to make. Uh, but you know, the real successful business people will look at a situation and go, we're going to have to improve this slowly. And it's going to be like, not everyone's going to notice what we've done in week one or week two or week three, right? You can't, you can't get upset if you don't get immediate recognition for what you've done. Even if the Lions are 8-1 and one returning to BC Place to play the Riders, guess what? There's going to be a lot of sports fans in, in this market that still won't know. Mm-hmm. And they'll kind of heard about it, right? Like You have to understand the attitude of the casual sports fan. And a lot of people listening to the show are hardcore sports fans. So their Twitter feed is full of news about sports and they read everything they can and they watch everything they can. And they talk about sports with their hardcore sports loving buddies, but the casual fan doesn't act like that. Especially in July and August. Yes. Right. When even if, you are maybe in, a little bit interested in the CFL, and I know that's when it starts, but it's still summer, right? It's you're, you're on vacation. You're doing different things. You're outside all the time. You might not be as locked into it. And, you know, to your point about not trying to rush it or at least not having expectations that it's going to turn around immediately, you know, it's great to make the home opener into a big event and pull that off and do that. That was never going to be the, no, the one it's magic it's a splash trick. that you make yeah, it's, um, to... to because you should, yeah. you should make a splash. You should do it, but it wasn't going to single-handedly turn no. the lines around. He understands that, right? No. And you can't have that expectation. You have to understand, okay, that was job one, and we did it. Now mm-hmm. we got to move on. And I-, I think the other key thing is you can do as many of those events as you want. If the team was two and six instead of one and Be seven, different. we're having a very different conversation. Yeah, so for you, sure. you have to make sure you're putting a really good product on. Uh, as often as you can. We're going to take a quick break here. It is Ask Us Anything Friday, so you can keep getting your thoughts in, your questions in, 650-650. And also, we will do what we learned. So send your submissions in for that as well. What did we learn in the last 24 hours in sports? That's all coming up next. It is Halford and Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Welcome to Kelowna, California, West Coast. Coast. <laughs> yeah, Kelowna, baby, best place in the world, right here. Kelowna, California. Kelowna, California. Kelowna, California. Kelowna, California. There it is. Somebody texted in. What? No, Kelowna, California. Earlier, so here you go. Here it is. We got the Regina song in and Colonifornia now. Uh, it's experience Regina. If there, whatever the Regina song. If there are any uh, other local novelty songs across Canada that you want to make us aware of, hit us up. Uh, it is Halford and Bruff Sports at six fifty. The official automotive sponsor of the show is the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. This hour of Halford and Bruff 
is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit Campbell-Pound.com today. Ask us anything Friday, so keep them coming in. And it is also uh, what we learned, so keep those submissions coming in too. I uh, I want to start us off here with a what we learned. Nobody knows when Tom Brady will be back with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and it could be because he's currently filming The Masked Singer. <laughs> no way. This is. Uh, I didn't even want to talk about this story because I thought he was away due to personal reasons, and I and I was like, oh, I hope I hope everything's okay with his family. I hope he's not dealing with anything really serious. Uh, and yet, what are you telling me? Because so, this is new. There's, there's, he's absent, and it's just very vague personal reasons. And yes, I agree. I hope everything is okay. So he left on, I think, last <laughs> week, and they're saying. They have a game tomorrow against the Titans. They're saying he's not going to be back for that, but probably after that. There's a theory that uh, originated, I believe, from Reddit user Cannonfire on the Dynasty Fantasy Football Forum on Reddit that Tom Brady is taking a leave of absence so he can film a part on The Masked Singer. And the evidence is, so he left, I believe he left Bucks practice. The first day he was absent was the 11th, and they're expecting him back shortly after tomorrow, which is the 20th. There is a August 12th to 20th filming window for the Masked Singer. And of course, Tom Brady has signed a massive deal with Fox to be their lead analyst once he retires. Fox also produces the Masked Singer. They've had Joe Buck on the show before. Can, can you explain to me how the Masked Singer works? So do basically, you, you know? I've never watched I, I've it. I've never watched it. The idea is somebody dresses up, a celebrity of some sort dresses okay. up in this elaborate costume. Okay. Okay. All right. Oh, not and that mask, sorry. They they do performances and sing. I don't know if it's like karaoke. I guess it is or whatever. Right. They, they sing, but you can't see who it is. And then I believe- Is, it, is the celebrity necessarily a good singer? No. no, okay. Is that kind of the point? I guess. I okay. guess some of them are, some of them are. Okay. And then I think they give you kind of cryptic clues and you right. try to guess. You, but it's not. I don't think there's contestants guessing on the show. It's like follow along at home. Do you and see, try to guess do, who it is? Do you, you actually judges that. Will but do you actually yeah. see the person and he or she is wearing a mask? Not just a mask, like a whole head to toe costume. Elaborate. Oh, I see. Okay. So you're there. You can't see any features of their body. Because I feel like as a sports fan, I'd be like, "Hey, that looks That's, like Tom Brady." That looks like Tom Brady. He's <laughs> <laughs> wearing his Bucks jersey. Yeah, he's, he's got like, a little that mask looks on. Like Brady. That guy looks very familiar. Yeah, yeah. No, they're wearing like I've seen clips where people are wearing like a full like rabbit costume or you know there, there's the elaborate please costume. let this be true please let this be I, true. I do think there's something to the idea I want the that hot takes are like brady was too worried about the mass singer to to worry about football and that's his number one job imagine i get, don't like this he gets injured on the mass singer after the <laughs> injured season on the mass singer yeah, yeah. and can't can't do signal calls anymore yeah. it's like ever <laughs> since he went on the mass Singer, i do love the can't idea call audibles. <laughs> i do love the idea that fox was like listen we're gonna give you 375 million you got to do us a solid. <laughs> you got to put that what on... it was? Yeah. Is that the money? Yeah. 10 years, 375 million. Well, it's nice for him because- know. He's you know, had a like, tough life. Yeah. It's 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 good that he can roll into a career and make make a little money because he was probably running out, right? Finally, a break goes Tom Brady's you way. You know what a great troll job would be? Fine, after it's revealed who he is, go back, get the recordings of the songs that he sung, play them in the opposing buildings when he's in there. When they're warming up or something. Just play, play the Tom Brady. Or just retire. 
It was a yeah, I, I don't even think that would rattle him. He'd be like, that's pretty funny. I, my biggest concern would be he's so competitive, he wants to win, that if he doesn't, I don't know if he even can win the Masked Singer. I don't know if it works, but that if he doesn't win, that he'll be so frustrated by that. Or maybe it's the chip on his shoulder he needs, right? Oh, they counted me out. They counted me out on the Masked Singer. I'll show them. Can you win that? I don't think yeah, you can. No, I don't think so. Yeah. I, oh, is there a winner? The fans vote at home to who to. So are there multiple Masked Singers then? Yeah, there's seasons every yes. year. There's yeah. like. 10 or 15 celebrities. It, it oh, I thought there was like one. It no. originated, it was actually a Korean show. Okay. And they took the, wow. the rights to Daddy. it, made it into an American Do you show. watch this stuff? I don't want, I, I, I've I don't seen episodes, it. but I'm, I wouldn't no, say no, I'm a watcher. I, I was a big fan of the Korean yeah. version, but yes. no, no, not the American. Does obviously. anyone Does anyone in this room watch reality TV? I, 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 oh, God, no. Oh, I don't. I was into it the very first year. I was like a senior in high school. It was the first year of like American Idol and Survivor. Right. When it all started that first year and it was like super huge, mm-hmm. I remember getting into it then. But after one year of it, I was just like, I don't get that. I, I remember watching one episode. It felt like of, a waste of time. <laughs> I remember watching one episode of Survivor and being like, this is not for me. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not to, some like, people love it though. Just addicted to it. No, no, no. And Big I, Brother I, as well. And I'm not judging them. I'm kind of judging them. But kinda. you know, like I, I have my own garbage TV. For sure, everyone that, does. I, that I watch. I find it just like I. How do I put this? I hate the people on reality TV. Well, that's what <laughs> that's what attracts people to watching it, right? Yeah. You want to see, but people, some people you, you I guess watch like wreck. that, right? Yeah, you want to watch a train wreck. See yeah. people's lives fall you apart. Want to watch trash people fail. Basically, yeah, is what you're watching. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, I hate watch. Right. Okay. Uh, give us a moo cow on that. Uh, so I learned that the Nashville Predators uh, on Twitter yesterday did one of those eyeball things. Um, emojis. Uh, one of the eyeball emojis, and people were like, "Hmm, like what? Did you did you sign Kadri or did what? Is there bit? Is there bit? Is there big news for for the team?" And then. They they kept doing these emojis, uh, like exclamation marks. So so people were like, "Oh my god, are the are did the Preds make a big move?" Uh, and then they announced that the draft will be held there, and also the NHL awards, which actually I guess is a pretty big deal for that city. But the 2023 NHL draft and the NHL awards will be held in Nashville next June. Uh, obviously, the NHL awards have been kind of in in flux for the mm-hmm. last few years. Uh, I can't even remember what they did for them last year. They just kind of, a, did they have a TV sort of thing? But they announced a they bunch did of them, right? They did in Tampa, didn't they? Between, for during the Stanley Cup final, wasn't it? They did some oh, of them? I can't, I know they announced them like, today's Selkie winner or whatever, but they did one, did they yeah. do one TV show? At any rate, it was obviously not memorable since we can't remember these things. So I think this is a good idea to just put the awards in the same city that that's hosting the draft. And they've done that before, I believe, uh, especially a city like Nashville that well, will have, you know, a great theaters that they, they, they can put the awards in and then then hold the draft. So give us a moo cow on that one. I got what we learned. Uh, it's not the let, double no-no. Let me guess. It's about baseball. It's not the double no-no. All right. Yes, it is about baseball. Uh, there was a lot of talk the last couple of days about the, the slide rule at home plate in baseball. Uh, there's been a couple of controversial overturned calls in baseball. Uh, and uh, Austin Hedges was the latest one of the uh, Cleveland Guardians. He was a, a catcher for the Cleveland team. And there was a play at the plate. Same thing that happened in the Jays game with Merrifield. There was an easy tag. The runner was out, but they review it and they say he was blocking the play. He went off on a huge tangent. And I'll get to the umpire's response but listen to his pointed words here towards the umpires. Well, like I said, it cost the game. 
I don't need to get into the rest of the debacle with the umpires today because it was a really, really poor, poor executed job by them. Um, it's too bad. It's too bad when, when we play a sport where we get held accountable, where we say something, we get held accountable, we get mocked, we get shamed. There's no accountability on their part right now. And that's really, really sad. For it to cost us a game when we're trying to win a division, we're trying to make the playoffs, we're trying to do something special, and for it to be taken out of our hands like that is a disgrace, and it's extremely disappointing. I'm disappointed, and that's all I have to say. Thank you. He's a little upset. He's a little angry. Yep. <laughs> extremely disappointed. Uh, and the best part for me, though, is that it's not the umpires making this call. It's the review booth in New York that overturns the call. So umpires are a little upset by those comments, of course. They released a very tersely worded statement to ESPN. This is the entire statement. It is the catcher's responsibility not to position himself to block home plate without the ball. The rule change was adopted after Buster Posey was involved in a home plate collision and suffered a severe leg injury. The player association decided to protect their key assets, the players, and adopted the rule. And then the final statement is, it's simple, don't block home plate without possession of the baseball or change the rule. That was the official statement from the MLB umpires. The umps, I feel, in (laughs) in Major League Baseball, they've taken a a lot of public heat. Yeah. And I got to say, not necessarily on this point, a lot of it deserved, right? the strike zone stuff. The strike zone yeah. thing is really They can see the robots coming from they them, and they're worried about it. They can see the robots coming. Yeah. They absolutely they're can. on the horizon. I think it does make it a lot harder for them when you've got that, uh, what do they call it, the strike zone. Uh, well, the pitch tracks. Yeah, the pitch. Like You're like, yeah. that, was a stra- that was a strike, and I can prove it. Look. Well, it's just like it's Look like at the a, TV. a real-time performance review for everyone. The, in public. Yeah. Managers in the dugout now just hold up the iPad and just go, just start waving it around. Like, we can see it was a strike. Yeah. I mean, even watching the, the, the bit of the Jays game yesterday, I was kind of dialed into that. And it's a, it's hard not to, right? It just adds so but before if there was a if there was a stre- there was a miss you weren't necessarily sure because you're trusting your eyes too versus the umps and they kind of had that benefit of the doubt. It's almost reminiscent of the linesman calling offsides. Before we started reviewing these things, before we started going back, we're like, ah, I'm sure it's right. Yeah, close enough. Right? Like it looks close. My, I mean, they're they're closer than I am, uh, and their eyes are obviously trained for this better than mine. So you gave them the benefit of the doubt, and now every close play that enters a zone, I'm kind of like, well, I wonder if even if a goal happens here, if that's even. Are we going to do that every home plate play now in baseball? Wait, hold on a second. Yeah. Let's wait and see the replay first. I mean, m- maybe. Maybe it'll be like every goal that gets scored now, or not every goal, but a good percentage of goals that get scored now, you're thinking, okay, wait a minute. Well, was that offside or was it, uh, yep. was that goalie interference or was there something going on that was missed that is going to get called back? And certainly in the NFL when there's a touchdown. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like a it's football game. Yeah. Uh, is there a flag? Yeah. Uh, was he down a, a millimeter before the line? You know, you're has always been, waiting for it. Has there been a massive goal scored? In the NHL, like I'm talking about the playoffs. Obviously, my memory is terrible for these sorts of things, but has there been a massive goal scored in the playoffs that, like, let's say it's an overtime goal and everyone's celebrating and then they're like, ah, 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 we gotta ah, call this one back. We were too scared to do it when that goal, when Edmonton was knocked out. McDavid's first playoff race. Remember when Kessler was laying on top of Talbot and they reviewed yes, it? Yes. And it should have been goal interference, but they didn't, didn't have the nerve to make the call at the time and they just let it stand. That's the one that I go back to, at least. 
But you're right. There hasn't been the one moment where like the team no. is celebrating on the ice, thinking they've won the series, and then the ref has to come out and say, like, uh, I just, I could, uh, "Could we just get everyone to sit down just for sorry a second? Guys. Get them out like, of the room. Sorry. sorry, get them out." Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, give us a moo cow on that one. We'll go into the Dunbar Lumber text line now. It's Ask Us Anything Friday, but you can also send in your What We Learns. Here's one from Vance. Ask Us Anything. Do any of you gentlemen game at all, specifically sports games? If so, what are you playing and what's your most hated game? Okay, I don't game and it's not because I think I'm better. Like it's not <laughs> it's not the same opinion that I have about reality, reality TV. TV. Yeah. I'm worried that I'm going to get totally hooked <laughs> and I've got a morning show to wake up for yes. and I'll be like it's 4 a.m. and you're playing I don't know some stupid golf game. Yeah. Right? That's um, the reason why. I still game uh Good racing game, Forza Horizon, that I've been playing a lot. There actually is a really good golf game that I enjoy for for Xbox. Yeah. So there you go. Oh, you're, I love you're right the to be concerned. They're, so it's really good. good. Yeah, I've, I've <laughs> even played like a few on my phone. And I'm like, if I'm getting hooked on this, then I'm definitely getting hooked on <laughs> the real thing. Anything with better yeah. technology is a problem for yeah. me. Uh, Robin Surrey texts in anything. Ask us anything Friday before this week. Has Jamie ever been in a more hostile work environment? It has not been hostile at all. And I got to say. Quite down, Jamie. I, I've worked. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if that was your attempt to be hostile, Alec, you know. I, I I've worked in um, uh, kitchens at restaurants. Notoriously toxic, <laughs> hectic environments. Right. I've it. worked in law firms. Notoriously tech, toxic, hostile yep. environments. One of the things I love about radio, everyone's pretty chill. We're all just doing radio. We're all just talking about sports. So, no, it has not been a hostile work environment. Has the restaurant culture changed at all? Have they had a reckoning? It's been a long time. I did it my final year in high school and then when I was going to when I was going to university in the summers, I Mm -hmm. did it. I so I don't know. Swagger. I I don't know that it has though. I don't get the sense that there's been that reckoning to really change. I think it's probably the guy that was always yelling. The the uh, Ramsey. Gordon Ramsey. Right. Do you think that caused more problems in kitchens? So, okay. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. Do you think people watch that and they'd be like, well, if he's like that, I'm going to be like that. Early in the reality TV, whatever, boom, right? When his show came out and I remember sitting at home, I was working at a restaurant at the time and I was sitting at home watching that show with my mom and all the talk was, can you believe this guy? He's so over the top. He's so ridiculous. And I remember in the episode, one of the chefs had forgot to turn the oven on. They'd put something in, but they hadn't turned it on. Right. And he's screaming at her, you donkey, what are you doing? And people were like, oh, this is so crazy. It's like, I'm working in a restaurant right now. If I forgot to turn the oven on, that's probably what would happen. <laughs> yeah. that, that seems about right. Like maybe yeah. slightly more over the top, but that's about how it would go if, if I had done something like that. Uh, a lot of people pointing out the Blake Coleman goal. Um, someone texting, I feel like the Calgary goal, Blake Coleman, they celebrated pretty hard after it. And that is the most controversial goal in the last 10 years. God, we've got, have we all just got bad memories here? Yes. I have a terrible memory. Yeah. You know, who's really good at that is actually Halford. Halford Mm. will remember that sort of stuff. He doesn't remember anything else. He doesn't remember personal details about you as a person, but he will remember sports. Can't remember his debit pin card, but uh, he'll tell you what happened 19 years ago. Yeah. It could, it, could it be game. that he's just not going to tell you his debit pin? No, those are the <laughs> kinds of things. Yeah. I keep asking him. And he's yeah. just he like, just Andy, please, he again. Give, he won't give me his credit card sure. info no matter how much I ask. Wow. Uh, Mike, just for the show tomorrow, what's your social insurance number? 
Right. Just, yeah. just uh, we're going to need it. it. Yeah, we need it to what put it What was your mother's maiden name? Might be committing a bit of identity theft tomorrow, uh, Halford. So just give me some information if you could, please. Uh, Rob and Surrey with an Ask Us Anything. Do you guys get MLB Network, NFL Sunday Ticket, NHL Center Ice, stuff like that as a tax write-off as part of your job? I did when I was a contractor. It all depends how you're yes, set up, if right? You're a if you're an independent contractor, you can write that sort of stuff off. Yeah. We get some sort My of- My write-offs were very aggressive when <laughs> I was an independent contractor. Still being investigated by- uh, I think I think there's a seven-year thing. I think there's a seven year th- yeah, no go, statute go, go. of limitations. Yeah. Well, 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 look who it is. <laughs> <laughs> Finally showed up on our radar. Out of the woods now. It's been eight years. Um, we get some sort of Rogers NHL package. I don't know if it's exactly NHL center ice, but so we can watch out-of-market games with right. that, but that's, yeah. that's it. We don't, I don't know. Yeah, as you said, we're employees, not or at least- I am, so I'm not an independent contractor, so I'm not doing that. Not not doing those write-offs. Uh, ask us anything. Do you guys think Demko is a Vesna finalist this year? Ooh, that's a tough one. I mean, I think he's a top five goalie in the NHL, but a lot has to come together. It does. The yeah. team has to be good. Right. You need a lot of factors to, to have a good season as a goalie, and a lot of it's out of your control as a goalie. Yeah. Why you see the fluctuation from year to year. Yeah. And I think uh, the way a lot of the voters, that's a GM's one, right? And yes. those, don't, it's the worst. Yeah. Every GM complains about having to vote for the best. It's very it's the way it's divvied up in the NHL is very odd, and it seems how did it, yeah, very I wonder how arbitrary. I wonder I if they'll really, ever go let's, back. Let's get the that. guy yeah. who gave eleven million dollars to Sergei Bobrovsky <laughs> yeah. to vote for who the best. Goal I don't really understand. It's it. Bobrovsky. <laughs> I guarantee yeah. it. <laughs> got to vote for Bobrovsky. We also got this one in. Uh, what we learned: Brad Treliving has to be the early favorite for GM of the year. Yeah. That one's another one that's fascinating because they do the voting. Once the conference finals start, lose won it twice. So you can kind of, it's always just the three guys, three of the guys who are in the conference finals, and then one of them uh, ends up winning it. I, it's going to be a fascinating test. If they, if Calgary doesn't make the conference mm-hmm. finals to see if he still wins the award, I, I still maintain that the GM of the year um, should be awarded five years later. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like you should look yeah. back on it and be like, all right, who was the best GM? In 2000, like we do 2017 this yeah. year, and, and you'd look back on all the moves that were made and whether or not it helped the team. Because typically, and I get and I get this, the GM of the year award is given to the deal makers, right? Yeah. Yes, like not, the guys that swing that that do the deals, not draft and develop and then sign not, them to reasonable deals. Yeah, like Ron Francis is not going to be in the mix for GM of the year, right? But if what if the Kraken turn into a Stanley Cup contender in three or four years because of his slow and steady approach, right? Then maybe you you'd give him credit for like a lot of people were saying that you had to do all these wild moves. You stuck to the plan. I don't know if they, that's what his plan is. I don't know if they would have wanted to make more moves. I'm actually a little confused about what Seattle is actually doing as their overall strategy. It, but do you know what I mean? Yes, I I think the whole. Oh, well, we never thought we'd be good in the year one. And we were always been playing the long game. I think that's kind of a, oh, we need to find a, a rationale for why we weren't very good Bit last of a cover. year. Yeah, because, and, and the whole idea of, well, we're not going to take somebody like Tarasenko in the expansion draft to preserve our cap space. And then you turn around and you're giving it to guys like Jordan Eberle and, right. and Jaden Schwartz and Andre Burakovsky. It doesn't make a ton of sense uh, to me. Uh, so yeah, I, how, I also have questions. Looking there. back too, you just mentioned all the rumored players they were going to get. How bad would have the price pick been if they did yeah. Harry Price? Well, I never, I, I always thought that was a, a non-starter uh, for them. Wouldn't have made a ton of sense. But the Tarasenko one, in retrospect, I, is, I've I heard 
legit rumblings that they were. Yeah, well, I think happen. they did consider it. I yeah. think they did consider it. I just didn't think it would have been wise. Do you think he wanted it? Do you think Carey Price wanted it? I think it? he was open to it because yeah. of the location. That's probably the only reason, but I don't think it ever got legs to the point where it was going to happen. I think they looked at his career and said, hey, he's got maybe three or four years left of being a decent goalie. And so, Laddie, our, our goaltending expert, is he is he done? It yeah. sounds like it. It yeah. sounds, sure like sounds like it's it's over for him. His knee is such just, a sad way to go out. I guess he wanted to do that big comeback just to prove to himself that he could do it one more time. But yeah, I think that's the final hurrah. This for is a this is a really ridiculous thing for me to be concerned about right now. But at at the next best on best tournament, who are our goalies going to be, Balak? We've had this. Oh combo. God, it's terrifying. Yeah. Carter Hart was my answer honestly. because <laughs> it was, yeah. was my answer. You know it's. Like if it was next month, I guess it would Mark Andre Fleury would still be in the mix. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, let's just put it this way: there was a point uh, where we discussed this, where we we're like, "What about Mike Smith, <laughs> Mackenzie Blackwood?" It's it's uh, Darcy Kemper and Come Tristan on, Jari, the big. <laughs> yeah, we got to turn things around here. What's our, what's going on with our let's go goalie with production? Let's go with Jari. We'll go with All right, that does it for us today. Uh, shout out to everyone for listening. Don't worry, Mike Halford is back with Jason Bruff on the show It's been fun, buddy. Thank you. I appreciate that, man. It has been fun. Have a good weekend, everyone. You've got it on Sportsnet 650.